You're listening to the Jesus Culture Sacramento Church Podcast. If you have your Bibles, get them out. We're going to read 1 Samuel 1, John chapter 15 again. We are in the middle of a series right now on the Word of the Lord. And uh, just to give a quick recap of the previous two weeks that we taught on, um, I want to invite you on a journey in regards to hearing the Word of the Lord. The reality is we believe God speaks to us. We believe God speaks to us individually. We believe that Jesus says man does not live uh, by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. God is speaking to us and it is to become food for our lives and that we have to go on that journey. But on that journey of getting the word of the Lord, and I believe that there is the fresh word of the Lord that in order, we first, the first week we talked about, you've got to be rooted in scripture. And this is a big one. This is a huge one is, is that your roots, your foundation has to be firmly planted in scripture. And, um, you've got, you've got to know the word. You've got to be in the word. Your default mode should be, what's the Bible say about that? And part of my concern is, is that many people are led by their feelings, not by the word of God. And I have a value for feelings. You got to hear me on this. We're a prophetic church. I have a value for feelings. But the reality is, is uh, truth is not found in your feelings. Truth is found in the word of God. And you have to know the word of God. You've got to be in the word of God. Your roots have to be in the word of God. And on this journey, there are two guardrails for us. There really is. As we pursue the word of the Lord in our life, as we pursue to carry that word of God, that there are two guardrails. It is scripture and it is community. Those two things. You have those two things in your life, then you'll be all right. And, and sometimes I feel like we're in this mode where it's just like, well, you know, this is what I feel. And I'm like, I love your feelings, but they're irrelevant when it comes to uh, what's truth. It's got to be rooted and grounded and firmly based in, uh, in the word of God. And so you've got to go after that thing. First of all, the word of God. But the second week we talked about activating faith, that the Bible says that hearing, that faith comes by hearing Again, the word of God and hearing comes by the word. So your hearing is activated by the word of God. Faith comes from hearing. And that the Lord um, requires that our life is active with faith. That we have faith active in every area. And in every area of your life, it's receiving the word of the Lord that activates faith. We'll talk about some more of this today. But faith is activated, John 15, 7, when I abide, his words get in me and I access this realm called faith. So you can get those things on the podcast. But so found rooted in scripture, faith active in all areas of our lives. The next two weeks, today and next week, I want to talk about how to carry the word of the Lord. And this is a big one because many of us know how to receive the word of the Lord. We don't know how to carry the word of the Lord. And it's something that is critical if you're going to see it happen. First Samuel chapter one, we're going to read the two chapters, uh, the two verses, a passage of scripture that we read last week. First Samuel chapter one, I'm not going to read the whole story, but Hannah is desperate for a child. The Lord had closed her womb. She's crying out for a child. She's crying out for a child. She won't give up. She's relentless on this thing. She finds herself before the temple crying out to God and, uh, and Eli encounters her at the temple. And starting in verse 12, it says this. And it happened as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli watched her mouth. Now Hannah spoke in her heart, only her lips moved, 
but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she was drunk. So Eli said to her, how long will you be drunk? Put your wine away from you. And Hannah answered and said, no, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief I've spoken until now. Then Eli answered and said, go in peace and the God of Israel grant your petition, which you have asked of him. We talked about this last week that when she pressed into God, her, she didn't get a child at first, she got a word, which is what she was going after. And she said, let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate and her face was no longer sad. John 15, seven says this, Jesus is speaking. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you, what you desire and it shall be done for you. We all love to receive a word. If you grew up at all in a prophetic culture or where, where you've received a prophetic word or, or in scripture, something comes alive to you or the Lord speaks to you with a still small voice or however the word comes, we all love receiving words. And uh, I remember for me in my early 20s, I don't know how many times I got, I mean, I, it was like I had just a bullseye on me. Every service I was in, it felt like somebody called me out and gave me a prophetic word. And, and I love that. It feels good. Uh, we applaud it. We get excited about it. But what I've learned is, is that there's a massive difference between receiving the word of the Lord and carrying the word of the Lord. And, and we can't just receive and applaud the word of the Lord. We have to be able to carry that word of the Lord if we're really going to step into what God has for us and see this activated. The carrying the word of the Lord is just a, it's a different situation. This is John 15, 7, you know, and this is what we believe that, that if you can draw close to Jesus in intimacy, when you draw close to Jesus in intimacy, he speaks to you and his words come and those words have to abide in you. It's not just that I receive that word, it's that I allow what he said to abide in my life, that I carry his word. And as I carry his word, I access that realm called faith. But carrying the word of the Lord and receiving the word of the Lord are two different things. But we, I was never, you know, we, we maybe come from environments where like nobody's really talked about how do you carry out, how do you walk out what the Lord's talked to you about. And what I find is, is that I think sometimes a lot of people don't need a fresh word from God. They need to know what to do with the word they have from God. You know, you read the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, great book, you could read, you should read it. But the premise of this book is, is that, is, is that, you know, Americans are not taught what to do with money. So when they get money, they don't know what to do with it. And so the problem is not that they don't have money, but the problem is they don't know what to do with it. So his whole point is that we have to educate people on what to do with money because you can receive money. And if you don't know what to do with it, it does you no good. And so his whole thing is trying to educate people on what to do with money. And I feel this way about the word of the Lord and the prophetic sometimes. I'm like, I'm like, listen, some people don't need more prophetic words. They need to know what to do with what they got. And just receiving more prophetic words without knowing how do I carry this? How do I take the words that Jesus has spoken to me and carry those until they come about? My wife, I'm going to, um, so we have three kids and, uh, and so, you know, if, if you're married and you've been through this whole situation of, Hey, we want to have a child. We, we had kids early. I had a, a kid who's over at our house last night, a sophomore. He's like, you Ellie's dad. I'm like, yeah. He's like, you're young. Thank you. Yeah. 
but you know, we had kids early, you know, 21, 22. And, and, uh, but, but you know, the whole process of my wife and I saying, Hey, you know, let's have a child and let's get pregnant and do this thing. And then you go, whenever you're going after a ch- having a child and wanting to get pregnant, you go through the ritual of the pregnancy test, right? I don't know if you ever walked through this. It's a pregnancy test ritual. That's what happens. You go down, you, you go to Rite Aid and you pick up some, you know, EPT tests or whatever. And, and then, um, and then the ritual is, is, is that my wife goes in, this is what happens. My wife goes in, pees on this stick and, uh, uh, that's what happens. It's real life people. And, um, and then, and then she sets it on the back of the toilet and we sit in the bathroom and talk for three minutes because that's how long it takes. And you chat and talk and how's your day? Good, my day was good. What are you doing? Okay, great. And then you look and if there's one line on the test, life goes on as normal. We go about our day, nothing's changed. If there's two lines, my life as I know it will never be the same. In a matter of three minutes, my life has completely changed. I don't feel different. She doesn't feel different. It's been three minutes. We're talking, but there's an extra line. That additional line changes everything. In, one, in three minutes, my life is... My, my wife kicks into hyper-preparation mode immediately. Immediately, we are cleaning stuff we don't need to clean, buying stuff we don't need to buy. It's insane. It's insane. But my third child, I figured this out a little bit, was dragging my feet. I'm like, I'm pretty sure we don't need to completely scour the entire house right now, right? We can wait, you know. Or we, but, but, but everything changes because of one line. Listen, this is the prophetic. This is the word of the Lord in our life. This is what you've got to get. That the Lord comes and speaks to you. And you know what that word is? It's a pregnancy test. It's the Lord telling you, you're pregnant. It's the second line. He comes and he plants a seed in your life. He comes and he plants a word in your life. And and what we don't realize is that in the spiritual, it's now our responsibility to carry that word. You know, in the natural, you carry it, and ready or not, that, ba- that baby's coming. You know, you got nine months, and whether you're ready, it's, you know, the baby's coming. In the spiritual, it doesn't always work like that. In the spiritual, we have a responsibility that when the Lord plants that seed of a word in our life, he's saying, you're pregnant. Now, carry that. And this is what I, what I have a passion for is to walk with people and say it's not just about receiving the word of the Lord. It's about allowing that word to abide in your life to where you carry the word of the Lord. And listen, this is not uh, that, again, the Lord doesn't always work like this. Sometimes that word comes no matter what you do. But most of the time when a word is released to you, you have responsibility in that. And many times words don't come about because we didn't know how to carry them. Like we didn't know, like, well, what do I do with that? So this week and next week, I just want to, I'm going to give practical points. We're going to go over four practical things about how do you carry the word of the Lord. But the first one is this. Are you ready? And this is, we're just going to talk about one this week. How do you carry the word of the Lord? And, And again, I want to tell you this. This is why the story of Hannah is so impressive to me is again, we talked about sometimes we press in for things, we cry out for things, and, and what the Lord does is he gives us a word. He, he plants a seed of a word in our heart. And that's all Hannah needed. And what I love about Hannah is she got up and started carrying the word. Listen, she was pregnant before she was pregnant. 
This is what happens. Eli says, the, the, what you've been praying for, the Lord will give you. That's all she needed. She got up. She no longer cried out. She, no, she, she, this is it. That's what I need. I got a word. She, wasn't, she didn't have a baby. She had a word. And she carried that word. And this is the position that we have to be. If you're going to step into all that God has for you, if you're going to step into the fullness of what God intends to release to you, you have to learn how to carry words. Here's the first one. You ready? This is, this is the practical thing. We're just going to spend it on this. You have to pray it. Listen, this, this seems obvious, but it's surprising to me how many Christians, when they receive a word from the Lord, don't immediately begin to pray that word. When the Lord speaks to you, it has to become fuel for your prayer life. You have to allow what he said to you to become the very fuel for what you're praying. I remember that when I was in Reading Youth Pastoring, uh, we were going after God and, and praying for revival. And I remember he spoke to me in a prayer time one time, in a prayer time that he wanted us to contend for 15,000 souls, 15,000 teenagers to be saved in Reading. So we talked about this thing and I, it was a few weeks later or whatever. I'm walking through a lo the lobby in our, in our church and uh, Assemblies of God has a magazine called Pentecostal Evangel. And there's a Pentecostal Evangel on the wall, like they were in these kind of slots. And in, in a huge, bold type, it said 15,000 students to change the world. I think it was talking about co their colleges or something like that. And I looked at it and I knew the Lord was confirming what he had spoken to me. I got that thing, we framed it, stuck it up on a wall. And if you came into our ministry, what you would encounter very quickly, anytime we began to pray is this, we prayed what he told us. You would hear, I mean, you'd hear teenagers praying, God, give us 15,000. You told us to pursue 15,000 salvations. What's on your heart is 15,000 teenagers being saved in this region. And you would hear consistently, whether it was on our Friday night prayer meeting, whether it was Wednesday night after worship, our pre-service, wherever it is, you would hear consistently people throughout our community praying that word. You have what he told, wait, Mike Bickle talks, he says prayer is an interesting thing because he says God, God comes and speaks to you what he wants to do and then prayer is you go back to God and tell him, ask him to do what he said he wanted to do. This is the, this is the crazy part. You know, I want to save 15,000. We go back to prayer, God, save 15,000. This is what I want to do with your children. God, do this with my children. This is prayer. The rhythm of prayer is he releases a word to us and we bring that word back to him in prayer. It seems simple, but the first thing you've got to do when you receive the word of the Lord is you have to allow it to become fuel. You have to carry it in prayer. You have to take it to the inner room of prayer. You have to walk with it throughout the day. And as you walk with it, as you pray it, as you meditate on it, it begins to take that place of abiding in your life. You've got to pray it. This is why when we talk about kids that are away from the Lord right now, listen, I, I would probably say this, most of you stood up, you have a word from God over your kids. And again, it seems simple, but when you're washing dishes at night, you are declaring and praying what he said. 
This is what the Lord said. And you have to allow that word, you have to allow prayer to begin to consume your life. And again, I'm not just talking about in your prayer room. I'm talking about that throughout the day. Frank, uh, you know, Azusa Street Revival, 1906. It happened in 1906 down in Pasadena, L.A., and, uh, you know, all of us have been touched by this revival, whether you're aware of it or not. Uh, your roots all go back to this revival. And, um, and there's a guy named William Seymour who led this revival in 1906. But two years before uh, this revival broke out, a guy named Frank Bartleman came into L.A., came into Pasadena, and, um, and began to pray for two years. Two years prior to the revival breaking out, he began to pray. He was this intercessor evangelist guy and he was evangelizing everybody he could find and just praying consistently. But if you read his story, there was this progression of this spirit of prayer that began to rest on him where he began to literally, he, he was talking about get consumed with prayer for what the Lord had said to him. This is the quote he said. So again, the Lord speaks to him about what he intends to do in LA and he begins to pray it. And this is what Bartleman said. My life was by this time literally swallowed up in prayer. I was praying day and night. This is what I believe the Lord wants to do is that he wants to release a word to you that becomes fuel for your prayer life that you begin to carry. That I take it to him in prayer consistently. That as I'm driving my car, I'm bringing what he said to him in prayer. This is the important thing is that we pray what he said. Our pray, we pray what he said. We pray what he is saying. It's, it's a slight shift, but it's a shift in this. I don't just pray over my finances. I pray what he said about my finances. I don't just pray about my children. I pray what he said about my children. I don't pray about my future. I pray what he said about my future. I don't pray what, about my city. I pray what he said about my city. Listen, a lot of people pray for their finances, but they're not praying what he said about their finances. Your job is to find out what he's saying and bring that. And our prayer life is, this is what you said. I'm not just praying for my children. I'm praying what you said about my children. And it's different because we are, not, we are not moved by what we see. We are moved by what he said. This is what moves us as believers. We are not moved by what we see. We are moved by what he's saying. That's what moves us. That's what motivates us. This is, listen, this is the passage that we know so well is that we don't live, that we live by faith, not by sight, Right? This is 2 Corinthians 5, 7. For we walk by faith, not by sight, which means this. I don't pray what I see. I pray what he said. Right? This is what we're rooted and grounded in. Is that I know what he said about a generation in America. It doesn't matter what I see on the news. I'm not praying what I see on the news. I'm praying what he told me. And, if, and listen, we walk by faith, not by sight. Faith is activated again by hearing his word. Faith is activated by I've heard what he said. And it's hearing what he said that motivates me to pray. Listen again, I mean, these are slight shifts in your prayer. But the reality is, is we, we, we really do at some level need to stop 
praying what we see and we don't even realize we're doing it. Listen, everywhere I go, people are so impressed. Like they're like, well, how are you not discouraged? And how do you not feel? I mean, we're singing songs about hope this morning that I love. Every week, I just want to sing songs about hope, you know? Because people are like, well, you know, I'm pretty discouraged and, and you know, everybody, nobody's going to church anymore and it's this and it's that. And, and then we, we are so impressed by darkness, we have statistics about it. Like literally we have statistics about like, well, you know, my city has the highest, you know, highest rate of divorce per square inch. I don't even know what, like they just have like, you know, and, and we have more witches per capita at our child. I don't even know what they're, half the time you go in their city and they begin to let you know about all of the statistics about how bad it really is. And I'm like, listen, my, my faith and my prayer life is not rooted in statistics or what I see. Nor am I responding or reacting to statistics. I can just tell you what the Lord told me. I can tell you that I got into the secret place with him. He spoke to me and this is what he said. And that's what I'm praying. What I'm praying is this. Listen, your kids can be out clubbing all night long on Saturday night, not following the Lord at all. You know how you stay encouraged? I know what he said. I'm not praying. I'm not praying what I see. I'm praying what he said. And this, this is that shift. And this is why really getting the word of the Lord is so important. It, ha, it becomes fuel for your prayer life. And that I find he continually is speaking. I mean, this is the journey that we'd go on. When he was talking about the 15,000, he go, uh, um, so we had this word about the 15,000. We prayed it, prayed it, prayed it. Maybe three or four years later, a guy has a, uh, 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 this, this girl has a dream. She tells it to her husband. And in the dream, a lady came to her and, was, and prophesied over her, Adam and the 15,000 are coming. Literally, this was the phrase. Adam and the 15,000 are coming. Then she said it again. Adam and the 15,000 are coming. And in the dream, this girl knew that what this lady was saying was important and it was going to happen. So this girl wakes up and she goes, I don't know, Adam, I don't know 15,000. I don't even know what that is. She shares it with a friend of mine. And he says, you know, Banny's been praying for 15,000. He brings the dream to me. He brings this dream. And, uh, and, and, and I know right away, I said, I said, I know what that is. In, in, in Corinthians, there's a passage where it talks about that there's the first Adam and the last Adam. There's the natural Adam and the spiritual Adam. And it says that there's gonna, uh, there's gonna be a company of people that bear the image of the last Adam. And I said, I know exactly what this is. This is speaking about Jesus and a company of people that will bear the image of Jesus. And it's and it specifically named 15,000 in this dream. But what it did for us was it again, it again kind of refired up that thing of prayer for that. The Lord will just continue to remind you. Remember when I spoke this? Or he'll come fresh in a new way. Or he'll speak. I remember years ago, I had a dream. No, somebody had a dream about me and a baton being handed off and this whole thing. And then sure enough, a few years later, a guy comes to me and he says, hey, the Lord told me to give you this. And it was a baton, like a runner's baton. You know what I'm talking about? He said, the Lord told me to give you this. And he gives it to me. And what it does is it's the Lord again speaking life into that thing saying, listen, don't forget about that word. And he confirms and he reaffirms and he speaks again and he comes from a different angle, but he's continually speaking to us. And what I find is, is the minute, even a, a reaffirming word, 
It it again puts fuel into my prayer life for what he said. I'm not praying my ideas. I'm praying what he said. And this is that confidence that when we say we have caught, listen, if you know what the will of God is, you can be confident that he's heard you. You know this in James? You know this passage? He said your confidence comes from the fact that he's heard you and, and the fact that he's heard you comes from this thing of like, I know what his will is. Why? Because he spoke to me about it. Because he highlighted it. Because, I, because my roots are in scripture with this thing. We have to pray it. And I'll tell you this, that you have to, you have to pray until it becomes a part of you. Again, I can't, I can't stress enough this fact of abiding. He, I, the, the word is that when I draw close to him, his words come and abide in me. They become a part of me. I don't know who it was. I think it was Lance Wall now, but he talked about that, that the word goes from your head to your heart, but it doesn't stay in your, but it's not just from your head to your heart. It then has to go cellular. It has to become a part of who you are. And what I found is, as I pray these words that the Lord's given me, as I pray what he said, it, begun, it begins to be a part of you. You begin to carry it at a different level. Not just, I know this is what he said, which is kind of where it starts, right? I know this is what he said. I, I don't quite fully believe it. I don't quite understand it, but I know what he said. And then it kind of moves into your heart, but then it becomes actually a part of who you are. Uh, years ago, and I don't share this word too much, and I guess we're about to share it if, if it's gonna be podcasted, but, but years ago, um, years ago, the Lord had really talked to us about mobilizing a generation, and, and we are in a worship setting. It was at a conference, and there's maybe 2,000 of these young people there, and I was on stage off to the side. I was just on my hands and face kind of before the Lord. It was this really, um, it was this moment in worship. There was this wholehearted consecration to the Lord. And, and, and like the entire room was just engaged in worship. And the worship leader had dropped off the, the music and they were singing hallelujah. Loudest I'd ever heard. They were, sing, they were singing hallelujah at 115 decibels. Somebody was tracking it. The whole place was just engaged in this moment. And I was off to the side and I was on my face before the Lord and, and the Lord came in the way that he does. He came and he just spoke to my heart and he said, he said, Benny, if you'll ask me for a generation in America, I'll give you one. I just said, God, this is what I want. And I knew he was inviting me to take what was happening in that room with a couple thousand people and see it impact an entire nation. That wholehearted consecration to the Lord where I give everything for him and I give myself fully to his cause in the earth, that moment, you know? And we've taken that and, and prayed it. This happened years ago. I don't even know when this happened, maybe 2008 or something. And we, we just pray it. And I, I found that it just, it just becomes a part of who you are. And the Lord will remind me all the time, I told you I'd give you a generation if you asked me, I need you to believe me, move forward on this thing. And it just becomes just this natural thing of like, God, this is what you said. You said if we asked for this, this is what you would give us. And there's, listen, there's not, there's not a shout, like this is where faith, be, like when it begins to abide in you and that thing you talk about where you know that you know that you know, which is a great definition of faith, I guess, you know. <laughs> What's faith? I don't know that you know, that you know, that you know. You know that thing you can't fully explain. I'm just telling you, it's that he speaks to you at first and at first you're kind of walking through that and trying, but you begin to pray it and you begin to believe it. 
It's not just that I received it. I've prayed it. I've carried it. I've invested in it. The Lord's spoken to me four different times from different angles on this thing because he is trying to get this thing out of my head, into my heart, and into, my, into the cellular level for me. This is what he's going after. It's why prayer is so important because it, it is that thing that cements. It is that thing that that tills that soil, that waters that seed, that gets that thing to where I believe God. Do you wanna know how, do you wanna know why we know that Hannah believed God? She got up. Things changed, right? We'll talk about this a little more next week, but she got up and things changed. It's the same thing for us, that we're not just called to receive the word, we're called to carry it until we actually believe this thing do we actually believe what he told us? This has been the Jesus Culture Sacramento podcast. For more information about the church, visit jesusculture.com.